Mr. President, why was a student able to terrorize my school? Mr. President, how many students have to die before you take action? Congress, you have done nothing since Columbine. My school, my classmates, take action now. Congress, how many more children have to die before you take action? That is what's going around this week. And what is so sad about it is that no adults, no students, not even news media are trying to educate these terrorized and frustrated students that a majority of the gun laws that they are upset about are done on the local level, not in Washington. That is something that you kind of see omitted in all of the conversations. And now on March 14th, as well as April 20th, they're going to do something that is called National School Walkout. It's a boycott on Congress, so maybe that they will listen to a population that for the most part doesn't have voting rights. But where is all the angst towards local governments where most of these laws are passed? It's not just Congress and the president. You look at Florida, And Florida has the 25th highest rate of gun deaths per capita amongst the United States. You look at individual laws in Florida. What about the fact that Florida does not regulate unsafe handguns? They do not limit the number of firearms that you could purchase at any one time. What about the fact that Florida does not regulate assault weapons, 50 caliber rifles, or large capacity ammunition magazines? What about the fact that Florida does not require the registration of firearms? What about the fact that Florida does not require licenses for firearm owners? I could go on and on and on. And I've been doing something online the past couple of days, and I will continue doing so. And what's sad about it, everyone, is that you know it's not going to gain momentum. You know that you start to see that it's like a, it's, it's an, it's a cycle. You know, in wrestling, it's eat, sleep, blah, 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 repeat. But in in debts like this, it's we mourn, we frustrate, we blame Congress, we yell, we pray for this, and then we forget about it. And what I wrote the last couple of days, because you see people like Bette Midler and Chelsea Handler and others all blaming President Trump, all blaming Congress. When are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? Well, you know what? For the millionaire celebrities, the millionaire athletes, and the millionaire, everyone else out there that want to see action now, how's about you do something that I've called the last couple of days, sponsor a school security. You know, $3,000, $5,000, a night out for most of these matarazzas. How's about you sponsor a school and help boost their security? Do you know that a metal detector for a school only costs between three dollars and $5,000? Just think about all of these athletes and celebrities and D-listers and A-listers and musicians and all of these people that have millions and millions and millions of dollars and you don't see them dip into their pocket to help a school maybe get bulletproof glass, maybe put in a metal detector, maybe afford a little bit more security. And for people out there that are going to say, how could you put in a metal detector? What does that look like for students? Doesn't that traumatize them that they're going into a school and this is and they have to be taught? I got news for you. I'm not a kid anymore. 
But now with all of these school shootings, you put a metal detector in a school, something tells me that when kids go through the metal detector, once they go on the other side, they feel safer. You have contractors show up at a school to install bulletproof glass. And what do you see people out there saying? Oh my God, how can you traumatize the students to realize that now their school has to have bulletproof glass? It's not somebody tries to shoot at the school and the bullet doesn't penetrate. That's when you realize, you know what? Thank God we had the bulletproof glass. Thank God we had the metal detectors. I feel safe. We are in a different world now. I have said this for so many years now, and it blows my mind that the people who make careers out of this and get paid millions to analyze this stuff haven't figured it out. What has changed over the last 20 to 25 years to have all of this violence and what's going on with our young, you know, mental health? It's social media is one of the biggest driving factors You know, I'm in my 40s now. When I was a kid, it was the people around me at school, my neighbors, my local friends, and that was it. There was no place where I could make a couple of comments and then all of a sudden a million people can view it. Now you go online and you write something catchy that trashes the president. Jesus Christ, it's like a drug. Wow, 20,000 people loved my tweet. Holy shit, 500 people are following me now on Twitter that I didn't yesterday. Oh my God, I'm getting all these YouTube hits. Oh my God, now I'm kind of like a YouTube celebrity. Oh my God, now I can write blogs and I can complain. And then I this is snack. And then you get the people out there that feel like outcasts. And they're yearning for attention. So they post on their social media that they got the guns, that they don't like this, and they make the threats, and this is an ad, and people just brush it off like nothing. And then when the person does get over the edge and now says, you know what, I'm going to blow up a fucking whole bunch of people, and now with, with the internet, I'll live in infamy. You know, before the internet was born and you had someone who committed mass murder, I mean, seriously, people, with the exception of of Hitler and Charles Manson and David Berkowitz and this is and that, you tell me, you name me 20 mass murderers or 10 mass murderers before 1995 in the United States. You'll be lucky if you come up with maybe three or four, David Koresh and others, but since then, You go, because of social media and the internet, you live in infamy. Everybody's going to be talking about you. You will go down in history. There is a big problem going on in in this world with social media right now and acceptance. And the problem is, is that with social media, everybody's in a little fantasy world. How many people don't go out anymore? They go to school or they go to work and they come home and they spend all night long on Twitter, Facebook, social media, writing one line phrases, posting their food, posting selfies, trying to get attention. This is an ad making it. It's a drug. It is turned into a drug. And I wrote this yesterday and and this is what's sad about it. I'm a nobody. I don't have no blue check mark next to my name. And I've had a few people that are friends of mine that do have the blue check mark and they've contacted me privately like, hey, dude, why don't you get Twitter verified? You'll get more people to pay attention to you. 
other people are Twitter verified. We'll see your tweets because there's settings on there. You see a lot of celebrities that they'll respond to other people with checkboxes, but they usually won't respond to anyone else because they got a setting on their computer that they will only see verified people with their responses for the most part. And you know, when you're a celebrity and you got millions of people following you, I totally get why you would want to sift out some of the spam that comes in. I mean, it's just common sense. But when you're a nobody, you could write the most powerful common sense thing out there. You might get 10 or 20 people that'll retweet it or like it. But for the most part, you don't get noticed. But you write something that is trendy, like bashing the president, something like that. Holy shit. You have people all over the place responded to you. You know, people are coming up with once again to see something, say something. Last couple of days, especially hashtag see something, say something. You know, this guy, Nicholas Cruz, that shot up the school in Florida. You know, he had the Facebook page. He had the social media with all of the guns and this, this and that. And it wasn't like he only had 10 followers. So nobody knew about the photos. I don't recall the last couple of days anybody reporting that people were notifying the authorities about all of these assault rifles and photos that he had online. No, you saw some students that, oh, he had this gun collection, this and that. Nobody spoke up. One person did report a comment that was posted on YouTube where he said that he would wanted to be or he was going to be a professional school shooter. And now there's reports that the FBI did not forward that information to the local FBI, I think in Miami, and maybe this could have been prevented. You don't know. But the bottom line is, and this is what I said the last couple of days to prove my point. I wrote online, hashtag see something, say something. If you see anything suspicious on social media, photos of someone bragging about their assault weapons, you got to understand something. There are 100 million Americans that own guns legally. 100 million and you look at the sick son of a bitches that commit this stuff. A lot of the young students who have shot up schools, which we'll get into a little bit later, they didn't own the guns legally. Change the gun laws all you want. You think the black market is going to go away? You think that that's going to prevent them from, from, it might make it a little harder, but if they really want to do it, they're going to do it. But again, you protect these schools more. Celebrities, millionaires, you don't need to write out a big check. What's the matter? The $10,000 limitation now on the Trump tax tax plan that you can't write this stuff off? What's the matter? You can't? Come on. Sponsor a school in the United States and help them boost up their security. Stop with this. Uh, we don't have the money. We, you know, we, we're in, in, in debt. We, get in your fucking own pocket and donate. Sponsor a school. They just want to talk a good game. They want to play the role. They want to come across to everyone that they care. But at the end of the day, you tell them to dip into your pocket and actually do something about it. Why do you have to wait for Congress? Why do you have to wait for Congress? There, there are so many things that could be done right now to protect schools more. And you seeing anybody doing it? You see people doing interviews, but that's it. So when you see students wanting to march, understand something. The students have the right motives. The students have the right intentions. They are the ones that could be ultimately victimized. But you look at everybody else that is above the age of 18 or 19 that is speaking out on this, and you realize the lack of 
you know, true motives of what they want to do or the fact that they just want to talk a good game and look like they they really care. But yet when there's countless things that could be done, I people ask me the last couple of days, what would I do with the schools? Obviously, I said the bulletproof class. Obviously, I said the metal detectors. And one thing I will let everybody know later, probably coincidence. Some people might think it's common sense, but I was doing research over the last couple of days. And by the way, welcome to this edition of Blah, Blah, Blah. I am Don Tony, and I am back. It is February 17th. I want to thank you very much for listening as always. You know, we're going to get into other topics as well, but this is obviously a very big topic to discuss, and I am just speaking my mind. I don't have notes in front of me, bullet points. It's all in my head. However it comes out, it comes out. Yes, I have a couple of articles in the back burner that I'm going to get into while I say some of this stuff because I want to make sure my facts are correct. Not like all of these people and places the last couple of days. Do you realize there's 18 school mass shootings since January 1st? That's not true. Not even close. So I did my research. So I wanted to have some actual research in front of me. But I was looking at, and I was curious to see how many mass school shootings that have taken place over the last 25 plus years in the United States. And, you know... You go on some websites and, you know, it's very unclear. You did the facts. Somebody could have been outside of school. There was one where an adult was like 30 years old. He was in the parking lot and he committed suicide. Is that a school shooting? It happened near the school grounds. But I really wanted to see students, people who have entered a school and actually shot up a school. I mean, it's not fun research, but I wanted to do the research. And I finally found a map that showed me per state as far as how many school shootings from kindergarten to 12th grade, you know, senior year in high school that have had shootings. And I was fascinated as far as how many states that have had zero in the last 25 years. Then just going through, and and I got to give this woman, Kelly, that lives in Australia, the credit for this, because she really got me annoyed yesterday. And because she got me annoyed, I did some additional research and I actually stumbled upon this. She went on my uh, social media on Twitter and brought up to me that since 1996, Australia has had zero mass shootings because they changed their gun laws after some psychomaniac committed mass murder in 96. And I do remember that story for some reason. I, I don't know, maybe it was the guy's goofy hair or something, but it was that for some reason that story always stuck in my head. So when she posted the photo of this guy, I was like, oh shit, yeah, I remember him. But she was basically trying to blame it on Trump. So the first thing I did was I looked at her Twitter history because she was so passionate about the school shootings and how Trump is doing nothing about it. And I was like, okay, if you're so passionate about these mass school shootings, let me see what you said about Obama. Ironically, or, or you know, as I expected, there was no posts. There was no post. I mean, everybody out there that wants that wants to speak out and so fed up and really just taken back and so hurt by these school shootings and so traumatized by it and blaming Trump. Take those same Twitter accounts who have been signed up for at least three or four years, do an advanced search. Just type in the word Obama and type in their their uh, Twitter handle and see if they had the same angst and anger and anguish 
when these mass shootings happened while Obama was president. Do I blame Obama? No. Do I blame Trump? No. I blame the local authorities more than anything else. And when I start breaking down these these shootings, there's a little bit of a trend that you need to understand. And like I said, on the surface, it's just so fucked up that even one of these are happening. But when you live in a free society, I could turn around fucking find someone, you know, pay them crazy amount of money, get myself an AR-15 or whatever the hell these weapons are, and I could go to a mall, go this, and I could start shooting people up. You know, I'm not going to do it. I would never even think about it. I, I love this country. I love everybody around me. I love everybody tuning in. I love my family, my friends. I wouldn't give none of that up for the world. You know, but in this day and age, you could never prevent every tragedy, but you could make it more difficult. Like I, when I talk about the wall, you have politicians talking about how a wall is so 18th century and we have 21st century technology and the wall is so primitive and blah, 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 blah. Stop cutting corners. You need layers of security. Got to make it as difficult as possible for someone to cross the border illegally. Make it as difficult as possible for somebody to commit a crime. You build the wall. Not everybody that tries to cross the border is physically fit. Why are you making it easier? You get people that just went all these miles of terrain and get to the border. And now, oh, my goodness, I got the 15-foot wall. How am I going to cross this? And they turn around and they go back. You have to deter people as much as you possibly can. Stop cutting corners. Stop trying to be PC. Oh, I don't know. Bulletproof glass and metal detectors. Oh, how can you do that to children? I don't give a shit. It's 2018. Technology has changed. The mindset has changed. Social media has changed the way people act in this country. I'm not blaming social media for the killing of children or anyone else, but social media has changed the mindset of a lot of people out there, and it's addicting. It's a drug. And when you have people that are just out there trying to show off, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you got fucking gun collection. What are you going to show? What are you going to show? Your friends? You going to take a picture and show it in your school? Where are you going to show it? You put it online now, you see something suspicious, open your mouth. Do it anonymously. And like I said the last couple of days, if you report it to the FBI, if you report it to police, and you feel that nothing is being done about it, open your mouth. Post it on social media. Let people know, hey, everybody, uh, this profile, this guy had all this stuff up here. If you, you, you have to do it anonymously, so be it. But man, stop with the fear that if you say something, you're not going to look right or you're going to look racist and stuff like that. After a tragedy, everybody plays Monday morning quarterback. Prevent future problems now. Like I said, change the security system. Have students have an ID. You show up at school without an ID, then you have to have a teacher or somebody or someone in that school that knows you or vouches for you or can verify that you before they let you in the school. School ID, bulletproof glass, metal detectors have more security. How do you have only one security guard for that high school complex or in Florida? I was listening to reports that there's over 3,000 students. 
You should treat schools like daycare centers. I write insurance for daycare centers. And how it works in New York is that for every number of children, I don't know if it's six or if it's four and a half, but for every number of children that you have at your location, you need one adult. So let's just use an average. For every four kids, you need one adult. You have 11 kids, you have to have three adults there. So you know what? For every 500 kids, you have to have one security guard. You got five entrances to to different buildings. You have to have some type of security. It costs money. So be it. So be it. You want your children to have peace of mind. You want your children to go learn an education and not have to have these crazy fears in the back of their mind. You yourself want to drop your kids off at school and feel pretty comfortable and feel almost guaranteed that everything will be all right. Stop with these cutting coins. And again, these freaking celebrities, these athletes, these I wish I had millions of dollars. Because I swear on Jesus Christ right now, I swear on my parents that I would fucking write out a check and help a school and do this and that. I could donate a small amount of money. I'm sure we could all set up GoFundMe pages for every school. But for every politician, for every musician, for every athlete, for every uh, uh, entertainer that talks a good game on social media... Let them dip into their checkbook. Let them write a check out to their school. Let them purchase some form of security. Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they doing that? People out there give me one reason. Stop with this. We need Congress to change. Of course you need Congress to change the laws. I just said it from the beginning. When that happened in Las Vegas, ban all bump stocks, whatever that shit is. All right. I think it should be mandatory. You look at some of these gun laws around the United States, and I actually took some notes just to share it with everybody out there. And it's pretty mind-boggling in this day and age, and I understand Second Amendment. I am all for Second Amendment. And as I said earlier, you got got 100 million Americans that own guns, okay? So when you actually figure out a percentage, of course, there's a problem, much more now than 20, 30 years ago. And a lot of it comes down to mental illness, okay? You have to have... Look... I live in New York. I do insurance for a living. And when I applied to write, just, just to show you how fucked up Florida is, okay? I applied to get an insurance broker's license so I could sell insurance because I have a lot of people in New York that own property in Florida. So I get a lot of them that come up to me and they're like, hey, could you write my property in Florida? Could you write my condo in Florida? Could you write my house in Florida? Blah, 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 blah. So I pursued a broker's license for Florida. And when I applied about a year or two ago, I had to get fingerprinted. It had to go through the FBI. I had to get a background check. I had to get all of this stuff done just to be able to sell insurance in the state of Florida. You need to change the laws where you it's mandatory background check. All right. Anybody out there that says, oh, you know, that's kind of rough. Fuck that. Do it. Do it. I guarantee you there's not going to be one politician out there that is going to lose their seat because they decided that everybody that owns a gun or purchases a gun in the future has to get a background check done. The problem is, is that it is such a gigantic expense 
and procedure to do. The pro- They don't want to pursue it. The problem is you already have these procedures in place for other things. Like I just said, me trying to sell insurance in Florida. They had to check my whole background before they would do this. Come on. Everybody should be be able to have a background check required. You have mental issues, you have depression, you have anything that gets logged through law enforcement, through the courts, through a a physician, there's got to be a database where it's noted. Look, painkillers, opioids, everybody's talking about that these days. I go to my doctor now because of my car accident. My doctor goes on a computer in New York State and looks up a database that sees every prescription that I had filled under my name. And he checks that before he even considers giving me a prescription for anything. Because number one, he wants to make sure I'm not abusing something. Number two, he wants to make sure that I'm not taking anything that could obviously mix with another and and have harmful effects. And another reason is they want to make sure that I'm not being prescribed for anything for depression or this and that. You have a database. You have a database. You want to apply for a gun? You apply for a permit. All right? Come on. This ain't like, oh, I want to get my driver's license because I want to pick up, buy a car this weekend. Or, oh, I need to get my license for this, this, and that, or a permit because I want to start building on my house or I have a homeowner's closing, this, that. You want to buy a gun? So what? You got to wait three days. So what? You got a week, seven days. What is so absolutely necessary that you have to get a gun today? That there's no three-day, five-day, seven-day background check, mandatory back. Come on. There is so many laws that could be changed that would still allow everyone to keep their Second Amendment rights. But I just don't get the, the, the lack of logic amongst people out there. Congress absolutely needs to change laws. I don't disagree with that at all. But at the end of the day, there are quite a few things that we can do right now that you don't see being done. And again, when I was saying before about the number of school shootings going back from 1990 to the present, I'm going to post a photo on my synopsis for today's show. And when you look at the grid, you're going to see states out there that have had zero incidents in the last 27 plus years as far as school shootings from kindergarten to 12th grade, North Dakota. One incident, no fatalities. South Dakota, no incidents at all. Wyoming, zero. Montana, zero. Idaho, zero. Then you go to other states and you see a lot of problems. California, 19 incidents, 47 injuries, 16 deaths. Florida, I think we're at 16 incidences now in the last 27 plus years. You know, but again, you go to places like New York where I live, two incidents. So I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that can be changed. Congress needs to change some laws. Local governments also need to change laws. And look, I am a supporter of our president, obviously. I have criticized our president as well for some of the comments he said in the past and some of the actions I don't agree with. But in a case like this, I mean, if you're going to say that the Republicans have blood on their hands, then you also should have said it when Democrats ran the whole the whole game. If you want to turn around and you want to say that the president and the current Congress is not doing anything about it, then you also need to criticize your local government because your local government 
has a lot of laws that they could change on their own. I mean, just do a simple Google search and see some of the things that your local governments have passed. I mean, I focused on Florida this time around because of what went down this week. And it's such a tragedy. And yes, it can um, happen again, of course. But there are measures that we can take now to try to minimize it as much as possible. And I'm sorry for getting a little bit loud on this. I mean, what I say over here, I'm very passionate about. I mean, it just really bugs the shit out of me when I do research and then I see what's floating around. You know, the the one thing that the last two days, again, I said this earlier, how many of you read the last couple of days that there have been 18 school shootings since the beginning of the year? Then when you actually do your research, this is what you find. January 3rd. First school shooting took place just three days into the new year at East Olive Elementary School in St. John's, Michigan. A 31-year-old man died from a self-inflicted gunshot uh, wound in the former school's parking lot. Okay? Not inside the school. Not student-related, but they included that in the 18th. January 4th, Seattle, Washington. A gunshot was fired at the New Start High School in Seattle, Washington. The round entered an office window, ended up lodged in a three-ring binder. No one was injured. That was included on the list. January 10th, a teen was found dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound in a uh, Coronado Elementary School bathroom. Suicide. San Bernardino, California, at least one shot was fired, shattering a California State University classroom window. No injuries were reported. Now, I'm not trying to downplay this stuff, but you could be shooting at someone three blocks away, and if there's a clear distance between the school and that area, that's how it could have hit a school. But again, they try to make it come across that there's been 18 shootings in schools since this year. And and I'm only up to January 10th, and I already read the first four, and it's not directly related to the school. January 10th, Denison, Texas, a bullet was accidentally fired through a classroom wall at the Grayson College Criminal Justice Center. No one was injured. All right, first five that I mentioned. Listen to the details behind it. January 15th, Marshall, Texas. Gunshots rang out at the Wiley College campus in Marshall. A bullet went through a residential hall's dorm room. No injuries were reported. You know, so when you really, you got to do your research, everyone. You can't just read things you see on social media and interpret it as fact because usually there is a lot more details behind it that you're not aware of. And like I said, you feel so bad for what these students are going through right now, especially in Florida. And they want to do, you know, a, a, a walkout, a protest because they want to feel more safe. Fine. But they are naive. They are still learning. They don't know on other than what is told to them or what they live through with experience. We need more responsible adults. We need more responsible parents to educate them a little bit more. And again, I wrote on Twitter earlier today, it's a fucking shame because you don't see a lot of these teachers or adults educating the students to understand that it's not just Mr. President, it's not just Republicans, it's not just Congress, it's your local government more than anything else. There can be changes done now, and there can be things done at the schools to make them safer. I was talking about security guards earlier. Come on. 
You talk about all of these former vets from our military who are unemployed right now. Hire a couple of former military vets. Let them be security guards at a school. I know it sucks that you have to have this elevated security. And trust me, for those states that have had no incidents, they could always be the first. So you can't be lax because it never happened in my backyard. You know, just because I never had any break-ins or robberies where I've been living now for the last 20 plus years, I still lock my doors. I still have an alarm. I still have a camera that's in, that records in front of my location. Why do I need all that? Nothing has happened. I live in a complex that you have to walk 200 feet just to get to my door. I still do it for peace of mind. And everyone out there needs to take some steps. So that is my, I guess you call brief synopsis. I know I went almost 30 minutes about this, but I felt I really needed to explain this in detail. And I was going to take my time with it. And look, I'm sorry if this kind of bored some of you out there, but I have always told you since day one, blah, blah, blah is not a wrestling show. It is everything but that. So if you're expecting to hear me talk wrestling, then you're either very new to this show or you didn't bother reading. <laughs> as far as what this show's about. And speaking of reading, I totally res- respect those out there that will disagree with some of what I said. And all I ask in return is that, A, you respect my views on what I say. And if I do an ex- express a view on something, at least I tell you why. And I, besides respecting my opinions as well, because that's what they are, if you're going to counterpoint what I say, Please do your research first and please be prepared with facts. You know, because if you follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D, you notice that nine times out of 10, somebody tries to get cutesy with me about this political stuff or my views on stuff, and they usually put them in their place. You know, I had mentioned yesterday, because a lot of you out there wanted my thoughts on Rod Rosenstein and Mueller you know, indicting 13 Russians for, you know, altering or trying to affect our election and, you know, meddling in it and just committing a lot of fraud. And they wanted my thoughts on it. And honestly, you know, I do agree that Russians are trying to fuck with our elections. But you also got to read the entire report because it said that not only did they try to influence the electorate, try to help Trump, or they would put things online that would support Trump, they did a rally, or they were behind a rally in New York that not only supported Trump after he became president, but they also did a rally where they were against Trump. So they were basically trying to start the fire and put it out at the same time. And not only that, people have asked me repeatedly for the last year, hey, what do you think about Mueller? What do you think about Rod Rosenstein? And I wrote yesterday online, I said, look, I'm not going to comment or give an opinion or criticism or praise for either one of these guys until the investigations are completed. But what I did tell people to expect yesterday is that those in the past who trashed Rod Rosenstein are now going to praise him because of what he said yesterday that no American willingly or, you know, knowingly did anything to try to, you know, uh, collude with Russians. And yes, again, as I wrote, the investigations are not completed. 
So I'm not making a comment on them or how I feel about them until the entire investigation is completed. Because I'm going to be one of those few people out there that is going to refrain on this because whatever the outcomes are with these investigations, number one, I'm likely going to respect it. And number two, I will decide then if I feel that the person was doing their job uninfluenced. And I can't make that determination right now. And it's not just based on what the outcomes are. It's what are the facts that are provided as well. And right away, because I wrote that yesterday, somebody tried to throw it in my face and a few other people joined in on it saying, um, oh, well, uh, you know, how could you write something like that, that uh, Trump and his, his posse could still be indicted and stuff? What? Read my comments again. I still have not made an opinion on either one of them. All I was trying to say yesterday is because of what came out with those 13 Russians being indicted, people that previously criticized Rosenstein and Mueller was now going to praise them. And people previously that were praising them, you know, just rooting for them to try to find collusion with Trump and try to impeach him are now going to turn on them. And that's what happened yesterday over and over and over. So if you're going to, counter anything I say, I welcome it. Just please do your research first because I know I do mine and I I can always welcome a good old fashioned debate with those out there, but please do some research and be prepared with facts and don't just throw one liners in there because they sound good. If it doesn't pertain to the particular topic at hand, it just comes off as lame. So shout out to Sean Brosonator and shout out to everyone who uh, celebrated Valentine's Day this week. If you haven't heard already and you want to hear something interesting, check out this past week's edition of Breakfast with Blossie. I recorded a 30-minute-plus conversation that I had with 1-800-Flowers, who royally fucked my Valentine's Day this year, did not ship things that I ordered, and not only did I record it and shared it with everyone, but as you hear it, You hear the lies that they're caught in, and then you realize the big problem that a lot of these major companies do these days. But little by little, I think they're starting to bring their uh, part of their businesses back in the United States. They outsource their customer service to countries like Pakistan and India and others. And I don't care if they outsource to other countries, but please use people that have a better IQ than, than a rock. Because you listen to the conversation that I had with 1-800-Flowers this past week. It was fucking terrible and abysmal. And it wasn't designed to entertain everyone out there, even though you did find it entertaining. But at the end of the day, it was basically a warning to all of you out there is to stay clear away from this company. But if you want to hear what went down in real time, go check out Breakfast with Blossie because the audio is there. Now, Sean had given me links that Vice UK on Twitter was posting uh, creative photos of what some people were doing because their flower orders got fucked up. And I'm not going to reiterate what was posted, but look, people want to complain. People want to write, you know, horrible shit. They want to say, look, they it's their frustration. You know, like I s- said the other day, you know, a lot of times when we use these flower services, it is last minute. And it's usually for a holiday. And even if you order it a week or two weeks in advance, 
you usually want the item shipped and delivered on the day of the holiday, the day of the birthday, the day of the anniversary. You don't want it shipped or delivered a day or two before. And I do do that at Christmas time sometimes when it comes to certain gifts. I'll have it delivered a day or two early. This way, if there's a problem, I know I could still have a day or two's time to make good on it. But when it comes to Valentine's Day, an anniversary, a birthday, a holiday, you want the items delivered on that day. And when it doesn't get delivered and it becomes 5 o'clock at night, 6 o'clock at night, 7 o'clock at night, and you realize, fuck, my shit wasn't delivered. What are you going to do? It's too late. It is too late. So uh, some people are very frustrated out there, and it's just ridiculous that companies like that uh, get away with it. The it's terrible, absolutely terrible. Sean Bison, um, you know, I wanted to say this to Sean and everybody else out there. Uh, I, I want to explain blah, blah, blah going forward. Okay. In no way, shape or form is blah, 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 blah. This, this show taking a back burner towards any other show that I do. It's not the case at all. I started doing blah, blah, blah in July of 2017 I've been doing the podcasting and hotline stuff as a hobby. This is my 20th year now. And since year two, I've had people asking me, because I've always done wrestling and sports, people have always asked me, why don't you do a show that's not wrestling related? Why don't you do a show that involves everything else? And for 18 years, I said, oh, you know, yeah, I'll do it one day. I'll try it. And I decided last year, let's go for it. And it's a work in progress, and there's still a lot of little tweaks and changes here and there and improvements I'm going to do with this show. But one of the things that I realized very quickly is that a huge part of my listening audience follows sports and wrestling. They don't pay attention to politics. They don't follow news like I do and some of you out there. So, yes, the audience for these shows are about a half you know, to maybe a third, sometimes it was a third early on. Now it's about half of what the other shows do. But when you realize that we get 150,000 to 200,000 downloads in some of the shows that we do and other topics, it's still a huge audience. So believe me, it had nothing to do with that. But what I did notice more than anything else is that the difference with the other shows and this is that when it comes to wrestling or it comes to sports, you know, there in sports, there's a season. So as the season progresses, you know, people have streaks, teams have streaks, people go up, people go down, people get traded, there's news, there's topics, and there's always something changing as every, every day goes by. When it comes to wrestling, it is an ongoing soap opera. It's a story. So storylines change, people jump rosters. So there's always something different to discuss. And what I did not want to have happen on this show is every week me talking about Trump, every week me talking about gun control, every week me talking about a particular topic here and there. And the problem is a lot of the topics that are going around that are being discussed even this week are the same topics that were discussed a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago. And this show is not a recap of the news of the week. It's particular topics, it's views and opinions of how what I have on certain things. So I don't want it to go into a, a, um, a schedule where it has to be done every week or it has to be done every two weeks. I mean, on average, I plan on doing the show going forward every 
week to two weeks. It's going to depend on how much news breaks, how much, you know, there's topics as far as things that need to be discussed. And that's basically going to be the format. The only reason why it seems to be dropped on Saturdays is because on Mondays I work and I have the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show. On Wednesdays I have breakfast with Blossy and I work. Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays I work. The weekends I spend it more with my girlfriend than anything else. I have two parents that are getting up there in age, that their health is not doing all that well, so I try to spend time with them a day or two during the week as well. I have a history show that I prepare, so Saturday seems to be the best time that I can do this. So while my girl is still sleeping, hey, I'm up here Saturday morning doing a little bit of blah, blah, blah. So I don't get a day off ever, but I'm not complaining. I'm doing this because I like doing it, and I see the amount of audience that tunes in. And I don't find myself any more superior than any of you out there. A lot of us share the same opinions on a lot of topics. A lot of us disagree with each other. But everybody seems to have, you know, an intelligent mindset behind them. And I enjoy doing these. But it will not be on a schedule where every week it's going to tune in and this and that. It's going to be every week to two weeks, depending on where it's needed. But um, I just wanted to clarify that because a lot of you out there were wondering, did, was I considering getting rid of this show entirely? Absolutely not. But I realized that having it on a set schedule was probably not the best thing to do. So plus when, when I have these discussions, my views, you know, they do change as time goes by. But if this topic comes up again, there's no need for me to do another 30 minute rant as far as gun laws and what I think should change as far as school safety and things like that, I could always reference this specific episode. So there you go. Uh, Tommy Pikeshi, uh, he wants to know, do, do I think this country has become too politically obsessed? Absolutely. Absolutely. The stuff that I said earlier, um, you will find people that will try to find any excuse whatsoever to blame Trump. Just like people in the past would try to find every excuse to bash Obama. A lot of people who supported Obama, I mean, I I could use the phrase blame Bush. How many years was George Bush blamed for everything negative that Obama was dealing with at that time? It's funny how people complain where Trump blames Obama, but it was okay when Obama blamed Bush. I'm not saying any of them are right or wrong right now, but the dismay and hatred towards Donald Trump is nothing like I've seen in my life. I was a kid when Ronald Reagan was president. I do remember when he got shot. I do remember a little bit of how the press treated him like shit and how a lot of politicians did not respect the man. And then it it was just odd because after the shooting, You know, it just felt like the aura of Ronald Reagan changed and it seemed like people were getting along with him a little bit more and things started to to turn upward as far as the economy. We got out of the early 80s. We approached 84, 85, 86. I think at that time, probably the biggest things going on was the Soviet Union and drugs. I mean, those were probably the two biggest things. I mean, the economy was doing better. We didn't have the Internet yet. And the media even started to favor Ronald Reagan. You look back on it now, and a lot of people consider Ronald Reagan the greatest president of all time. 
For any younger listeners out there that weren't alive or were way too young to remember 1981, 1982, my God, you have no idea how this guy got trashed. But, you know, and the only reason why I even fouled it a little bit is because my parents had it on the TV all the time back then. And because I have a gigantic video collection of news and movies and sports and games and TV stuff, you know, going back 40 plus years, you know, I can go pop in a couple of tapes and see in real time how everything was being portrayed in the early 80s and 79 and 77 and 83 and 90 and 95. So, you know, I have reference and now YouTube has exploded. There's so much information and history on there as well. It's, it's around you know, for the taking, if you want to do the research, but you know, in this day and age, especially since the media is also against Trump and again, social media, social media was not around 30 years ago. So you realize that everybody has a voice now and it's a drug for a lot of people out there. You even see some news people that if they're not noticed and they're not called on during, you know, the gut, the, uh, the daily briefings and stuff like that. They're on a computer and they're like in withdrawal, like, please, someone notice me. And you can see politicians doing that as well. It's just, it's a drug. But yeah, politically obsessed. You blame everything on Trump for the most part, if you dislike him. Mario from the Barrio. Do I think mental illness is used as an excuse to escape jail time? Or should it not matter if they are mentally insane? Look, there are a lot of people out there who are not mentally, and I know people will say, hey, if you commit mass murder, you're mentally insane. There's something wrong with you. You may not be mentally insane, but there's something wrong with you. You know, you got to understand something. Hatred and deep, deep hate does not make you insane. There are some massive racist skinheads out there. You go back 50 years, 100 years, and you see what transpired in the past with the Klan towards blacks. Were those people insane? No. They had a massive, massive hatred for blacks. In this day and age, there are some people out there that have a massive hatred still towards blacks. There are blacks out there who have a massive hatred towards whites. You have Al-Qaeda and you have, you know, radical Islamic terrorism, uh, terrorists who have an, ex- an extreme hatred for the West and for our way of life. Are they insane? Not, not usually. Hatred does not mean insanity. And what some people will do to try to get around their crimes of hatred is they will blame it on insanity. You see what happened in Florida with this 19-year-old. One of the first things you heard was that, is he going to plead insanity? Because who in their right mind would kill, you know, innocent kids in a school? You know, just because you have hatred doesn't mean you're insane. I always remember the movie Falling Down that starred Michael Douglas. I never liked the movie when it came out. I actually thought it was kind of dumb. But after I watched it as years went by, you see how people these days could just snap. I mean, really just snap. And it's just, we're in a terrible, terrible time when it comes to, um, you know, I, I don't like a PC world. I don't like 
you know, where there's safe spaces all over the place and that things are changed and canceled because it, it rubs one person the wrong way over a thousand. You know, there's just a lot of appeasement going on. You know, you don't hear it as much now, but we heard it like crazy for the last 10 years. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets something. And the problem is, is that I come from a family where you fall down my mother and father would help pick me up, but it would get to a point where if I fell down, they would sit there and they'd look at me like, all right, pick yourself up. And if I really, really, really could not pick myself up, they would help me. But it got to the point where I fell down and a couple of times I picked myself up. And one time I fell down, I couldn't pick myself up and they forced me to join the military. I went into the Navy and I got an honorable discharge and, you know, I went through boot camp and everything, but still, you know, it was a real big learning lesson for me. I mean, I went to boot camp and I've told in the past some of the things that I witnessed there. And it's something that will stay with me for the rest of my life. But it really turned my life around and it, and it was tough. And a lot of times tough love is absolutely necessary you know, this coddling and, you know, I was reading today how they have comfort pets in Florida for the students. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, no, no, that's, that's fine. I it, totally deserving, totally needed. Absolutely. I mean, it gets your mind off of, you know, the, the negative things going around, but when you have it or fucking ostriches that you could pet simply because you're not happy that Donald Trump is president or you're not happy because of this, come on. Seriously? So in this day and age also with the social media and everybody wanting to feel accepted and, you know, this the attention is a drug, you also have a situation where, you know, people are being brought up where they have never really fallen down, you know, and had, you know, they hit rock bottom and forced themselves out of the gutter. Always want a handout, always want something, always want this. One of the things people wanted my thoughts on is that uh, the government had proposed an idea this week. Not, It's not being developed, but they just threw an idea out there that instead of giving these like uh, WIC or these credit card things for people on food stamps or welfare to uh, possibly give them food instead, and you had to see the uproar. Holy fucking shit, are you crazy? This is that, blah, blah, blah. And longtime listeners will know this. I always told this story and it's cool that I get to bring it up now because people out there have heard me tell the story before. So it's not like I made it up simply because of what you heard in the news this week. About 25 years ago, I was with a couple of my friends in Howard beach and there was a guy always on the corner with a sign begging for money. And a lot of times, you know, we would drive by and we would give him like a buck here and there and this and that. But I think we were going to the movies and he was on the corner and he asked us if we had any spare change or we had any money because he was hungry and this and that. And me and my friends decided, you know what? This time around, we're going to do something different. We walked into Dunkin' Donuts. We got coffee. We got food. And, and not just like a small amount. We got him like a nice amount of food and we were going to give him a nice meal. And when we got out of Dunkin' Donuts and we went up to him, we said, here, here's a cup of coffee. Here's a croissant, which some donuts or whatever it was. He turned around. And he says, no, nah, I'll take the cash instead. And we were like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. And I don't want anybody to turn around and say, well, maybe he doesn't like donuts. Maybe he doesn't like coffee. When you're in need like that, you take what you can get. Or you at least say thank you. 
And do I agree with this idea of giving people food instead of cards? No. But the outrage and the the overwhelming negativity was that, oh, well, you know, why can't you allow people to choose what they want and this, this, and that? Food stamps and things like that are supposed to be a temporary fix. It's not supposed to make you feel as comfortable as how this is a famous person from yesteryear that had said, you want to get people out of the gutter, make them feel as uncomfortable as possible. And sure, you don't want to torment people. But the thing is, is that when you make people feel too calm, I remember food stamps. I used to work at my father's store as a cashier at 18 years old. I remember people walking in and some would have food stamps and they would feel so embarrassed to hand over a paper food stamp. And we would accept the food stamps, but it was in B, it was supposed to be kind of embarrassing to have something like that. Now these days, people fucking go in there, they laugh, they brag, they buy cigarettes, they buy alcohol with it. Not everybody. But with that said, though, I don't like the idea of forcing people to take certain type of food, even though, you know, you go to public school and you bring your kids there and you pay five bucks a week and they get to eat lunch. You don't get to choose, hey, you know what? I want my son to have Salisbury steak this week. You get whatever is being served. But again, I still disagree with that, though. Uh, Diogo Nobre, why are people praising the minister of propaganda of North Korea? Is it because she looks human and not a complete wacko like a brother? And he knows that they hate Trump and Pence, but this is ridiculous. What happens to fair? What happened to fair and balanced reporting? At least explain who she is and what happens in her country. Look, the news media for decades and decades and decades have romanticized some leaders of yesteryear who were whack jobs, who were tyrants. And it's very dangerous to watch CNN and other networks humanizing anyone involved with North Korea. You know, I watched some of these clips where they called the sister of the leader of North Korea, the Ivanka Trump of North Korea. I mean, do they realize that that goes back to North Korea and that makes them feel even more humanized, that makes them feel even more legitimate? I don't care how nice she came across on TV. You don't humanize and you don't legitimize anybody that's affiliated with the North Korean government. That's careless, that's ridiculous, and honestly, you just shows you that these news networks were more interested in landing an interview and getting a buzz for themselves than actually using common sense. And it's a real shame as far as what is going on these days with uh, the news, but the news is part of the reason why Trump got elected to office. Because, you know, when you see, you may not like the guy, but when you see the term drain in the swamp, little by little, I think deep down inside, you have to admit that you're understanding more and more how bad the swamp is, not only in our government, but in media and other areas as well. You know, maybe the messenger, as far as who was draining the swamp, you probably would have preferred someone other than President Trump, but still, you're starting to see a lot of the things behind the scenes. And there are a lot of politicians on both sides of the aisle that are petrified that you're starting to witness this as well. And you see what's going on with DACA. I welcome anybody out there that's interested in my views on DACA. Go back and listen to one of the early episodes here. And I made a prediction as far as what was going to happen with DACA and Congress. And to this moment, it is happening 
exactly the way I predicted. I mean, just it's terrible what's going on right now. But look, you know, we can only worry for uh, for ourselves and we should concern ourselves for ourselves. And, you know, just try not to get stressed over everything that's going on. You know, try to make yourself and the people around you a little bit better and just try to be happy as much as you can. My New Year's resolution for 2018 was to smile and be happy as much as possible. Try not to get upset over anything. And quite honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. Yes, I'm very passionate sometimes in how I talk. And I might have been loud opening up with this episode. But I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm not triggered. I'm just very passionate how I feel. But I'm not stressed right now. That's one thing. I will not get myself stressed. I was annoyed. One eight hundred flowers the other day. But I'm not stressed. Trying to live 2018 as stress-free as possible. I like this question. Rich Diaz, if for one day... Millennials had to use pay phones and home phones to communicate instead of all the technology they have now. How do you feel they would fare? First of all, I still have a home phone. And I know a lot of millennials that still have home phones. All right, some customers I deal with that I talk to, they give me a cell phone and they give me a home phone. So home phones are not a big deal. And honestly, for pay phones for a day, it's, I don't think it would be that big of a deal as well. But if if, if someone out there was forced to go buy pay phones for a good month, Maybe someone young out there got punished and they got their smartphone taken away. You know, it'd be interesting to see how they would handle it. Making phone calls, I don't think would be as big of a deal. I think it's just going online and communicating with people through the internet. I think that's probably more than anything else. Because, yeah, you may not be able to text message and, yeah, you may not be able to use your cell phone to call. But if you still had access to a computer... And you could still instant message people and chat online and go on social media. I I think that is probably the bigger deal right now. And um, it would be interesting. I mean, I, I wish more parents would do little challenges here and there to see if their kids could stay off of social media for a week. You know, the problem is in this day and age, social media for many out there are the only way to communicate with friends. So if they... You took them off of social media for a week. You basically tell them that they can't communicate with their friends as well. Now, if you're punishing them, then, oh, too fucking bad. But still, I mean, times have completely changed from 30 years ago. Completely. Donald J. Trump, that's his name on our Patreon page. Uh, What is one simple thing that I think people can do to improve their lives but choose not to for whatever reason? There are so many that come to mind, but one that I wish more than anything is to stop bringing up color in every aspect of life. I mean, I you have this movie that came out, Black Panther, and I saw big news stories going around that there are some famous people who are white that intentionally did not go to the movie because they felt since it's a black movie that they should allow blacks to enjoy it first. And then when is the proper time that they could go see it? And I know I have brought this up so many times over the years, but I got to bring it up again. Fresh Fest 84. I went to a rap concert in 1984 in Long Island called Fresh Fest 84. There were blacks, there were whites, there were Puerto Ricans, there were Asians, there was every nationality at this concert. I did not, and yes, it was mostly black. 
I did not feel uncomfortable and I did not witness any black saying, the fuck are these whites doing here? The fuck? This is a black concert. This is all hip hop. You want to watch it? Go fucking write down a video. What the fuck are you doing here? No whites. No, 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 no. This is opening night, man. No fucking whites. Stop fucking bringing up color and everything. Seriously, I, I see, you know, people have been asking me to comment about what LeBron James said recently about our president. And honestly, I don't even want to let it penetrate. Because what I noticed is that when white people criticize LeBron James, they were all accused of being racist. I just, the number one thing right now to me, more than anything, more than people hating on Trump, because Trump does put his foot in his mouth a lot, and he does deserve some of the criticism he gets. If Trump would eliminate, and and look, people have asked me some, one of the most popular questions I have been asked repeatedly, should Trump stop tweeting? My answer is absolutely no. Let him keep tweeting because if he didn't tweet and didn't give his explanation as far as things going on and his views and his opinions and, and things, you know, especially the, the positive news stories and the financials of our present country, you know, black unemployment being the lowest in history. All right. Maybe he's not the biggest contributing factor behind it, but there is nothing wrong with him celebrating that. And mentioning is a positive thing. There are so many aspects that's going on good right now that if he didn't say it, you may not even know about it. The problem is, is that sometimes when he tweets, he says things that maybe you and I could say, or maybe our uncle could say, or our grandfather could say, that maybe our president shouldn't say. But he says it. So I do regret some of the things that he says. But still, just people really, again... They need to stop using the color thing. I don't think of color when I criticize people. I don't think of color when I praise people. I don't think of color when I try to like help people or I'm thinking about people or I'm sending thoughts and prayers. I don't look at their nationality or color first. All right. I just don't look at color. And yeah, you, everybody looks at color for one particular reason or another, but it should not be the first thing they think of. And I see that repeatedly. You criticize someone immediately, boom, white person, black person, white person, black, viewing something, white privilege, this and that. Stop it. You know, I, I know some people get sick of me saying this, but I will keep saying it because I lived it and I saw it. Don't you dare say that my father had white privilege. My father worked three fucking jobs in, in, in one week would work three different jobs just to pay the bills, pay the rent, pay the mortgage, put me and my brother through school, put food on the table. From the day I was born to 23 years old, we went away twice. One time we went to Wildwood, New Jersey. Anybody that's ever seen my personal Facebook page, you see the photo with me as a kid with the little med shirt on. That's the weekend Elvis died. The second time we went on a cruise when I was 17 years old, we went to the Bahamas. That's it. For the first 20 plus years of my life, that is the total trips that we ever went outside of New York. One time, my father was going to take us to Hershey, Pennsylvania. He got caught in a massive rainstorm within an hour of leaving the house. My father turned around and drove back home. My father, I can't tell you how many years of me growing up, the only time I would see my father is when he would come home from work 
at around seven o'clock at night. And I've told this story before. He would sit down at the dinner table. My mother would make him like a plate of squash or something else. He would eat it, go upstairs, take a bath, go to bed. And around two, three o'clock in the morning, get up, go to work at four o'clock in the morning, work part-time until around nine, go to Scatoro supermarket, work from around 10 o'clock until six o'clock, come home, do that again, five days straight. And then on Sundays, you work a third job for a day, day and a half. So don't, Tell me about my father, white privilege or anything like that. I just am really, really annoyed at this fucking, you know, this, this, everything is color. Especially when you think of all the positive economy news going right now, and it could get even better. It just, I don't like it. It's just, it's wrong. And it's just something that I wish would change and change quickly. John Cafe, I have no thoughts on Illuminati 2. I don't have any thoughts. But my thoughts on Trump wanting to replace food stamps I spoke about earlier. And will I ever go skydiving? Absolutely not. I'm afraid of heights. I am not one of these that gets paranoid about it. But if I'm driving through like a bridge or something like that, I can't look up and I really can't look down. I just look straight ahead and I try not to think about it. I don't know. And the weird thing about it is, is like if I close my eyes and picture myself standing at the top of like a gigantic building, I actually will get like nervous. And just thinking about it, I just get very, very scared. I don't know why. I never had any traumatizing experiences like that. I know when I was a kid, my grandmother took us to the Empire State Building and we got to like look all the way down. And I remember she got us these pennies that were like flattened and stuff like that. And the infamous Statue of Liberty Bank. How many of you out there as a kid, you got like a little gift, which was a Statue of Liberty Bank that fit like maybe $3 worth of change. But no, I will never go skydiving. Kyle Kazmarski, ADT. One question. He's always wondered about my videotape library which he knows includes baseball games, news, broadcasts, etc. Did I simply just record it on VHS as it aired on TV, or did I buy them? Also, how did I convert the tapes to DVDs? Because he's got a little collection of his own, and some VHS tapes that he recorded date back to 07. Well, okay, here's the thing. A lot of the uh, footage from the 70s and the 80s, I recorded myself. Um... I have, I, I never threw my tapes away. Sometimes I taped over things, but I never threw my tapes away. And thank God that my mom and my dad always allowed my tapes to sit in egg boxes in a garage because they moved about 15 years ago. And, you know, when they were moving, they were throwing out a lot of stuff. And I remember my father coming with inches of throwing out some of my stuff and he said to me, he goes, what are you doing all these videotapes? I'm like, I'll take them. He's like, do you realize how many there are? I was like, I don't care. Just don't throw them out. Please don't throw them out. And my father was kind enough to put them all in a, in a van, make two trips, and bring them to my house. And I do have some VHS tapes that I still haven't converted, maybe about 100. But over the years, I, I still own it, and it still runs well. They do sell on Amazon and other places where you can convert VHS tapes onto DVD. And I did that with, with my vintage TV collection. I did it with baseball games. I did it with some wrestling stuff and I converted a lot of stuff from VHS to DVD. So you really should invest something like that. Definitely buy a unit that is one touch. You know, you just press one button and it does everything for you. You know, 
what I, me personally, because I get a little advanced with the technology, I have it set up where I'll put little, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, little, uh, you know, like chapters on my DVDs. Like you hit a button and it'll take that point on the, on the DVD and it'll save it and it'll become a chapter. So if like I'm recording, let's say converting from DVD to v, uh, VHS to DVD, let's say a baseball game. Yeah, I have some vintage playoff games from 1981 that nobody has. You know, anybody that f- collects like baseball games and stuff like that, I have the whole entire series between the Yankees and the Brewers, and I recorded it myself. And what I'll do is like maybe from inning one to three, that'll be a chapter. From inning four to six, that'll be a chapter. Inning seven to nine, that'll be a chapter. The preview of the game will be a chapter. After the game, some of the news footage would be a chapter. And that's how I would do things. But... You get one of these configurations where you just hit one or two buttons and you walk away from it and it does the rest. It's uh, it's really well worth it and it really works well. Just make sure you always clean the heads on the VHS side and you want to clean the, um, the DVD side as well. And besides having original footage, over the years, I traded with people. I'm part of uh, a group right now that trades baseball games from years past. And I have tons and tons of baseball games from the 70s, the 80s. The 90s and the 2000s are much more prevalent because VCRs were so, you know, normally used at that time. And as high definition kicked in and DVD recorders kicked in, a lot of people were documenting their own games and stuff like that. But the thing that makes the 70s stuff rare especially is that some TV networks would have baseball games and they would record it and then they would tape over it themselves. They would actually use the tape and keep re-recording over their own footage. And some of that stuff these days are priceless. But it uh, over the years, you know, from connecting with another person here and there, they'll introduce me to somebody else. And next thing you know, you're in this little group. It's not anything you could go to a website. It's all... You know, I don't want to say underground, but basically everybody's got games and I'll trade a couple of baseball games for a couple of movies. I joked recently that I have the original airing of Scarface when it aired on regular TV in like 1983 or 1984 or something like that. And how they would edit out the curses and replace it with other things. I mean, do a Google search and you'll laugh how bad Scarface was censored on television. But having the original recording of that is something funny to look back on and laugh at. But there is a demand for it. I mean, the footage I have, I have the footage when Reagan got shot. I have tons of footage when Kennedy got shot, the original news reports, elections. You know, it is a really cool collection to have. And um, I'm telling you, it's a lot of fun. It really is. But that's basically how I got involved with it. And, uh, you know... One thing is for sure, if you really get into collecting this stuff, you'll it'll turn into a little obsession. And if you meet the right people along the way, you'll have a, a collection that people are just in awe of. The one collection that I have that I think I'm going to get rid of very, very soon is my newspaper collection. I have about 200 newspapers, a lot of moments in history, the full versions of it, and some of them are worth a lot of money. And uh, I have... I've just had them stored in boxes for about 10 plus years, 20 years. I mean, the paper when Babe Ruth died, Marilyn Monroe died, 
you know, I have local stuff that I followed, but um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, but it does take up a lot of space in my house as well. So, Andrew914, do I think the Mets only exist because the Dodgers and the Giants moved out of New York? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Mets could have obviously formed in a different state down the line. I don't think they would have been called the Metropolitans, but yeah, when the Giants and the Dodgers moved out of New York, there was uh, a need for a second team here other than the Yankees, and the Mets were formed. So yeah, absolutely. And he also says, let's say the Mets moved out of New York in the future for whatever reason, would I still be a fan? I don't know. I don't know. If another team replaced them locally, I would likely be a fan of that local team. I really couldn't say. But honestly, the Mets are never leaving New York. Even though they're very stingy as far as how they pay out their money these days and contracts, I uh, am a fan of theirs for the long haul. I am a fan for the Yankees to a certain extent because I am a New York fan first and foremost. But if the Yankees were playing the Mets, I usually will root for the Mets, really. Ever since the Yankees got rid of Reggie, I was no longer a Yankee fan. For people that want to know my fan history as far as New York and baseball, it's simple. When I grew up, um, you know, I was... Even though I had the Mets shirt on, you know, as a kid, but I was a Yankee fan. I was a Yankee fan growing up. My father took me. Earliest game I can remember going to was 1976. He took me to one playoff game. It was the Yankees versus the Royals. And uh, that was the first time I ever went to a baseball game. And to this day, I know it sounds ridiculous, but to this day, I still can smell walking down outside of Yankee Stadium and smelling the charcoal from the pretzels. I just something that stuck with me ever since I was a kid. But um, that was the first baseball game. But I was a Yankee fan up until the time they traded Reggie. And since then, I've been a Met fan. So there you go. Ben Salmon. Not really a question, but basically more of an article that he read I read the article, and just to summarize it for everyone out there, but, uh, you know, he lives overseas in the UK, I believe, and Manchester United uh, posted financially their soccer franchise. They posted a half-year loss, blaming an overhaul of the U.S. tax system by Donald Trump. The article goes on to say that the reforms by the U.S. president saw the corporate tax rate cut from 35% to 21% late last year, and the changes forced the American-owned club to make an accounting write-off of 48.8 million euros, I believe. This left the team, which is controlled by the Glazier family and listed on the New York Stock Exchange with a loss of 12.8 million euros in the first half of the financial year. My thoughts on it, honestly, is that some of it doesn't make sense. And the reason why I say that is because Trump's tax laws really didn't kick in until February. And don't get me wrong. I talked about this with my father, with the way he handled his taxes. Uh, A lot of people in New York are being burned right now because of the Trump tax plan, because the maximum deduction you could take is $10,000. And you own more than one piece of property in New York, and there's your $10,000 in property taxes, and you could only claim $10,000. So what a lot of people did before December 31st is they paid their 2018 taxes up front. This way they could get that tax deduction one last time. See, 
in April of this year is primarily when income tax is due for, you know, regular, you know, single and married couples. April was April 15th or whatever it is. Me, because I have an S Corp, I have to file by March 15th. But for the most part, for singles and couples out there, it's April 15th. So now when you file your taxes in April of this year, you're filing it based on last year's income and what you paid out last year. Well, last year is the last year that you could take a larger deduction. So a lot of people by December 31st paid their taxes in advance for 2018. So this way, when they file out their income tax in April, they can say, hey, I paid $40,000 in taxes last year because they also included what they were paying this year. Now, there's been some news articles saying that, you know, they don't know if you could actually do that. And legally, if you can, trust me, they ain't going to stop it. The money's already paid. New York State is ecstatic that they get this money in advance. There is no way that the government is going to renege or say that what you paid by December 31st is not going to be allowed to be claimed. So that's not the case. But what I'm getting at is that um, just, just because they claim that Trump's tax plan is why they have a loss, it didn't really kick in until February. You know, now if they got a loss because of the stock market, that's a little bit different. But that, that, I don't, I don't buy that. Um, that the the Trump tax plan is the reason why they they got the losses that they got. So I I kind of disagree with uh, that article. So uh, Sean Brosinator also, uh, where do I see the top remaining Major League Baseball free agents landing since spring tra- training games are about to start very soon? Uh, including J.D. Martinez, Eric Hosmer, Jake Arrieta, Mike Moustakis, John Jay, Brandon Phillips, and Jose Batista. John Jay is not a made, is not a top major league, you know, free agent. He's a good guy, but Brandon Phillips is a little bit past his time as well. Jose Batista is a little past his time. But as far as Moustakis, Arietta, Hosmer, and Martinez, I think Martinez is almost a lock to go to the Boston Red Sox. Hosmer has been rumored to go to the Padres. I still think that'll happen. Arietta is interesting, but, you know, I noticed that nobody in the sports world really talks about Trump's tax plan and maybe that being part of the reason why some of these players are still without contracts. I don't necessarily think that teams haven't offered contracts. I think some of these players are starting to, you know, think about more these days as far as certain states to play because you got to remember Not every state has a state income tax. And now with deductions and withholdings and things changing around a little bit, you know, it might be more profitable to play in one state over another. So, you know, plus at the same time, though, next year you got Bryce Harper supposed to file for free agency and people are fantasizing with that. Look, you either have a major need for your outfield or you don't. Do I think there are 15 teams out there looking to get Bryce Harper next year? No. No, I don't think it's anywhere near that. I think there's probably like seven or eight that really have a legitimate you know, shot to, of getting him. It's going to be interesting if the Nationals try to retain him. But I think at the end of the day, what's also happening is there are more playoff spots. Some divisions, obviously, it is very, very difficult to overtake maybe the Astros or the Cubs or maybe the Yankees or the Red Sox. So if you're a bottom-dwelling team, 
eh, is it really worth to invest that kind of money? Now, the Padres are a little bit different because they are building a pretty decent future. They kind of being compared to the Cubs from a couple of years ago. But there's a couple other teams right now where they're lingering around 70 wins, 80 wins, 83 wins. And they're thinking, you know what? If we could tread water and maybe at the trade deadline, grab somebody, you know, and just make a run, you know, they might be able to get in the playoffs without investing 30 million a year or 28, 25 million a year on a player. So I think that's why you're seeing a lot of teams not jumping the gun on some of these players. There are a lot of free agents still, but. At the same time, though, a lot of them are, are uh, the product of Scott Boris. Scott Boris is always holding out for major, major bucks. And I said this two, three weeks ago, and I think it's starting to happen. You're going to see a lot of players grab one- and two-year contracts. All right? Maybe not necessarily pitchers, you know, because pitchers, they're more inclined to get injured for, you know, a long period of time with Tommy John surgery and things like that. But for other players, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a two-year deal, test free agency a year after Harper uh, is on the market, and see if they could get a bigger deal then. For those who are in their mid-30s, you know, they may have to take only a year or two-year deal with a club option. But, um, you know, we have to wait and see. I will tell you that I think you're going to see a team or two come out of left field and sign some of these players simply because they got a steal. I was very surprised the Mets signed Todd Frazier. I thought they got a steal. And anybody that listened to one of the early episodes of the show, I praised Todd Frazier as one of the leaders in the Yankee clubhouse. He is phenomenal for the Mets, even if he only bats 240, 250. But I think you're going to see a team or two come out of the woodwork and really get a, an awesome deal and literally steal one or two of these plays, even if the contract is for a short year, uh, couple of years. I think some people are going to say, you know what, let me grab a one or two year deal and I'll test the waters again. Maybe I'll get a better offer two years from now. Uh, I remember that happened recently to, uh, what was it? Was it Nelson Cruz? I also think it happened to... Um, Mark Trumbo, he might have been another one. There were a few players that took a one- or two-year deal and really ended up doing well on the market the following time. And it's also backfired as well. Who remembers Ian Desmond turning down, what was it, a $107 million contract with the Washington Nationals? And uh, that is one of those deals that, you know, you look back on it, and the fucking guy blew it. He ended up, what, getting a two-year $17 million deal? instead so uh you know it's this day and age i mean things are changing a little bit financially with uh major league baseball but again i'm surprised you don't hear more of the current tax plan as being a contributing factor behind it so and we're gonna wrap this up very very soon um anna shout out to you question is if i was asked or tasked with the responsibility of preparing a buffet or catering or get together or big gathering but could prepare anything of my choice, what would I choose? I have to go with what I know. If I had a bunch of people over my house, it depends if it's, if it's the summertime or if it's the wintertime. 
it, either way, the one thing that I would definitely have on the table is a three-foot Italian hero and a three-foot American hero from my father's store. My father, his, his business has been open since 1982. His heroes are legendary. The Italian hero is something that is just out of this world. And any wrestling fan, especially if you've been listening to me for a while, you already know this, and I say it once in a while. You watch the ECW pay-per-view, Guilty as Charged 2000. You'll see a segment where Valet Francine is biting into a Italian hero, kind of simulating that she's putting a mouth on something else. And uh, if you look close, that's my father's heroes. So uh, I would definitely have that on the table. I would have a plate of different cheeses, provolone cheese, um, regotta salata. I would have olives, like a nice variation of olives on the table as well. Potato macaroni and coleslaw, that would be on the table whether it's the summertime or the wintertime. If it was the summertime, I would have a barbecue in my yard without a doubt. Hamburgers, hot dogs, steak. Um, you know, a couple other things as well. If it was the, the winter time, instead of barbecuing, I would have Italian food. I would have lasagna, eggplant parmesan, gotta have a chicken dish, maybe chicken franchise or chicken oreganata, a couple other things here and there as well. Maybe you'll have tortellini alfredo, which is really good in this neck of the woods. And that would be it. I mean, when you get towards like Christmas and Thanksgiving, obviously some of the typical foods would be included as well. But that would be pretty much what I would have. And the funny thing is, I have had that in the past. So with that said, I am done. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. That was a fast 90 minutes, I will admit. I want to thank everybody who sent in suggestions as far as topics to cover this week. Obviously, I didn't shout every single person's name out there, but the majority of you out there wanted to hear my thoughts as far as what went down this week. My thoughts and prayers are with everybody in Parkland and everybody in Florida. I mean, what went down at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, is it's sad. It really is. Um, I think just people really need to take a step back and just understand you know, Congress is not the only answer. Local laws need to be amended, need to be tweaked a little bit. And there are a lot of things that can be done right now with schools. You know, I totally understand everybody's frustration. Everybody has, you know, their different opinions as far as who's to blame. At the end of the day, it was the shooter who's to blame. You know, people blame it on guns. Me, I feel like, okay, the gun didn't do it. It's the person who pulled the trigger. But at the same time, though, you realize this whack jobs history, you know, there should have been some type of intervention somewhere. You know, to hear that the police were called to his house like 30 times, 30 times. It's just insane. But more, most important, like I said to everyone, you go on Facebook, you go on Twitter, you see someone making death threats. You see, you go on somebody's Instagram or wherever, and they're posting photos of them, even if they're lying and they say that they have this huge gun collection and they're just stealing photos from a Google image search or something like that. Just anonymously send the link to the FBI, send it to the police. If you are one of those that would speak out under your name and let everybody know about a certain whack job online, then by all means do that as well. But you got you can't keep silent about it. Sure. You know, if it's a if it's someone you know, even if you're not friends with the person, you might fear like, hey, if he finds out that I ratted him out, he might go after me and my family, stuff like that. Do it anonymously. But 
you know, even there's there's ways of letting people know online without it being your name. I think some people though are always with with this idea that they have to get acknowledgement for doing something good. I mean, how many times out there do you see someone do a very simple, kind gesture and someone always has to record it or someone always has to post the footage of it? They always have to feel acknowledgement for what they did instead of just privately in their heart knowing that they did something good for someone. You know, so there are ways of doing this, but see something, say something. I just keep reiterating that. And once again, you see a celebrity, an athlete, musician, anybody that's a millionaire, and they're speaking out and they're vocal on social media, fucking have the balls. Go on their page and tell them, why don't you put your mouth money where your mouth is? Sponsor a school security. Donate 10 grand. So they could go ahead and maybe put some bulletproof glass on their windows. Maybe they could install one or two metal detectors. You know, maybe they'll do it in your name. Maybe they'll put a plaque up that this was donated by blah, 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 blah. You know, notice how none of them, none of them are offering to dip into their pocket and fucking contribute to a school to have something done. So I really, it's a shame. I think that would be a cause that would get momentum and catch fire. But unless a celebrity comes up with that idea, unless someone part of a movement comes up with that that idea, you're never going to hear it ever gain traction. If I say it, if all of you say it out there, you're not going to all of a sudden get a thousand people on social media. It's going to be like, you know what? That's a great fucking idea. Hey, blah, 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 blah. Why don't you sponsor a school? Hey, you're not going to see it. Because at the end of the day, unfortunately, you and I, we have a little bit of a voice collectively, but individually, we are just, you know, ignored for the most part. And it sucks. But, you know, I know a lot of you out there have some really good ideas as well, not just what I said. And but just keep speaking out, keep speaking out sooner or later, someone you may catch someone's attention who may have the means of having it spread out and maybe catch a little bit of publicity. So with that said, I'm out of here. I will be back once again with your next edition of blah, 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 blah. Uh, within the next week or two, like I said, you know, I'll pick my moment. You know, I'll, I could feel when it's the right time to do an episode. And like I said, I thought today was a great time to do it. And please send your feedback. Follow me on Twitter, at DonTonyD. My website, DonTony.com, Facebook.com slash DTKC Show. If you follow the other shows, like I said, Wednesday I did Breakfast with Blossy. Go check that out. This Monday will be the Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show featuring yours truly and Kev Castle. On Sunday for patrons, I will release uh, an advanced copy of This Week in Wrestling History. It was uh, episode 7. And it'll be released for everybody else uh, late Monday night slash early Tuesday morning. So please send your feedback as always. It's much appreciated. And I'm out of here. Everyone take care. Be well. I'll talk to you all soon. Ciao.